0: wasn't sure you were prepared for the segment, but then as soon as Dre hits the vocals,
1: you gave us quite the indication. I got you. We don't stop. Hour to the game. Mitch Fortner, Troy Coverdale. The game after work. I was listening back to some Chris Kleiman quotes from earlier today, just making sure I... I got it down before we start playing him again here here in in just a few moments. Phone number is 537-1350. And by the way, coming up uh, 20-ish minutes or so, we're going to speak with Ryan Aber from the Oklahoman. We're going to preview the Oklahoma Sooners. How big of a year is this for old Brent Venables before the transition into the SEC? This is a struggle. Is it hot seat for Brent Venables? Uh, meanwhile, I have shared the picture on Twitter uh, with K State Volleyball's uh, press release about the ribbon cutting coming up on September 1st at 3 o'clock at the new Morgan Family Arena. They also released a picture of the new floor uh, there at Morgan Family Arena. I got to say, it's pretty sweet. At Mitch The Ford on Twitter, I also put it up on the uh, K Man Facebook page. It's definitely a different looking floor. Uh, It's a lot different. First of all, it's not like a completely like so just the floor that's been laid there at the Morgan Family Arena. It's all like court floor. But then I don't know what you would call this. It's like it's almost like a tarp, Uh, but it's like I I don't even know what the appropriate word to call it. But it's it's a uh, it's a floor that they can like peel off. But they placed it down. And I got to say, the out, outer boundary is all purple with the K State logo, the word logo, and the Wildcat in its font on the right side, the K State on the left, Powercat in the middle. And inside the boundaries, the actual playing surface is gray. And at first look, I was like, I didn't look at it close enough, and I was thinking, oh God, is this like a TCU floor? It's not. It's way better. Way better. It's not that trash. This is way better. The the beehive esque cross yeah. tabs that it, whatever. It, it's nothing like that. It does it does appear to have an interesting pattern if you look at it from a distance. But I think it's just like the pattern is like maybe like the individual pieces of wood in the floor. What it would look like, I guess. But no, it it it's sweet as um as uh, as Walter said. I believe it was Walter in the Big Lebowski. It really ties the room together, dude. <laughs> yeah, it, that's it, it ties, yeah, It does. Somebody else pointed that out on Twitter. It, it looks great in Morgan Family Arena. So, again, that home opener, September 1st, 630 against Omaha, and then they'll play again that Sunday uh, against the Nebraska Cornhuskers, one of the best teams in the country, Sunday, September 3rd at 4 o'clock. o'clock. Yep. Yeah, but the season will start this Friday at 9 o'clock in Portland, Oregon, against Portland State um do you know much about about viking pavilion is that that gymnasium you talked about before yes that's the uh new one that
0: they built oh, it's uh new. Okay. In, yeah relatively new built uh in and opened in 2017 um it's very steep on the sides oh
1: i just googled a picture it is
0: yeah it's horrendously Good steep God. on the sides but the problem is they were landlocked and where they could build was just up that was about the best that they could do with it um and it's about 3,500 seats.
1: It's nothing dramatic. I'm, I mean, the upper deck in that gym... It is steep. It's only like eight rows off the floor, and then they start the upper deck. It's probably steeper than the top section of Arrowhead. Yeah. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Jeez Louise. It is. I yeah. can I, I can it's, notice it just from pictures. It is very awkward to walk in that place. It really is to, to try to go up those stairs. All right, what do you say? Let's get back to Chris climbing. You know... He had his press conference earlier today, the final of the fall practices, the fall camp. And then uh, official game week, of course, will start next week with K-State football 11 days away. By the way, we're only four days away from actual college football. Notre Dame and Navy opening up in Dublin, Ireland. I think that's a one o'clock kick uh, here in the great state of Kansas. But you know, this is an underrated position competition that we have just not talked about enough. We've talked about it a little bit, and I've shared my concerns. Still plenty of competition about who is going to win the job, for kicker,
2: I thought Layton really started off strong, and uh, Chris maybe was a little behind him. This is naked eye. Chili uh, Davis, our, our special teams QC, would probably give me a more direct numbers, which I haven't asked him for yet. I just want to see the feel of it. I think as of late, Chris has done a, a really nice job and has elevated his play, but I like what Layton's doing. I think Chris is the best kickoff guy right now.
1: And that's interesting because Layton Simmering, who we've, we've never seen, and then you have Chris Tennant, who struggled last year. I mean, he struggled with kicks of 30 yards or more. And that came after the season that he had where he was making his long kicks and then couldn't hit the close ones, missing two of four that were inside 30 yards. Interesting run right now for Chris Tennant, but he's got a lot to prove. i got to imagine... If Leighton Simmerling is giving Chris Tennant, again, who started half of the first half of last year's season before getting benched for Ty Zentner, and Ty just absolutely crushed it, did not miss a field goal. How short is the leash for Chris Tennant? Chris Tennant, who missed two field goals, he was four of six from 30 to 39 yards, missed all of his kicks from 40 to 49, and at the tail end there of his season last year, he had missed a, a pretty necessary – it felt like a pretty necessary field goal against Iowa State. He missed two against TCU that were very crucial at the time. So if he struggles out of the gate – now, I mean, credit to his leg for kickoffs, that's great, but when points are on the line, how short is the leash? That is a question I have, and I'm not sure that would be a question that could be answered right now because it's just – a it's a competition up for grabs right now, so – if it's that close, you know, that does lean to a little bit of concern for me. And that is is just is Chris not being consistent, is Layton being as consistent and maybe better on some days. Not really for sure. But I hope it's a healthy competition where both guys are performing very well, of course I hope. That's the situation, but it's just we don't know until game 1 rolls around how good the kicking situation, kicking the field goals, will truly be in 2023. All right, with that behind us, now we jump to the offense. We've mentioned it before that Christian Duffy most likely out for a game or two. We'll see how long that lasts after an injury at the beginning. Uh, Actually, it may have been before uh, the the team practices, the fall camp took place. So who's going to be the replacement at right tackle? Still sounds like the leader in the clubhouse is Carver Willis, who has plenty of experience, just doesn't have a start. Chris Kleiman says he's getting better and better.
2: You have to go against uh, Duke and, and Matlock and, and Mott every day. You have nowhere to go but to get better. Uh, I've been impressed with Carver. I'm excited for him to have an opportunity. I know that we're mixing and matching so that, you know, who's going to be that other right tackle? Is it going to be Drake Beckwith? Is it going to be Andrew Linegang? Is it going to be Cooper Beebe? I don't know. We're still moving guys around because of, of not having Duff probably early on in the season.
1: Yeah, and just to establish some depth, but – He's been working hard for this opportunity, and hopefully he will crush it. Luckily, it's on the right side of the line where, you know, Will Howard's a righty, right? So he should be able to see that coming. Plus, I I really noticed this from Will last year about his ability to flush the pocket, moving to his left, and then quickly, and this was, I mean, just completely night and day, of him when he he sees an open receiver and he's got to get rid of it quickly, his ability to move his hips, get his feet in the right position, and let it rip is just at another level of where it used to be. So that's another improvement for, of course, Will Howard. We're going to hear about him in just a moment. Moving on to the running backs, Coach did talk about both of our uh, our main bros – at running back, first we'll hear about D.J. Giddens.
2: D.J.'s had a great, great camp. Excited about D.J. He's he's becoming more and more a complete back. He's playing with confidence. He knows our offense. Uh, he just wants us to go live some because he wants to come downhill uh, and punish
1: people. Oh, man. I, I, talk about a guy that's just hard to tackle. I mean, he, it's it's that Daniel Thomas type of running back. That's what I see in D.J. Giddens. I think he could truly be a star. Uh, before I say anything else, I want to hear from Climate about TreShaun Ward.
2: TreShaun has been really good. Just trying to get him to understand everything from routes to protection to you know how to be patient on certain runs because it's a different offense than what he played in. But electric with the ball in his hands and really good out of the backfield. Really good to flex out and can be an in, in between the tackle runner.
1: Yeah, I mean TreShaun's a couple inches shorter than DJ Giddens. He's obviously I mean they're both taller, much bigger than than Deuce Vaughn. So there's some similarities, but also differences. I mean, DJ's going to be that power back, more shake and bake with Treshawn Ward. They both bring their own unique tools to the workbench, right? Uh, I I can't wait to see both of them play. First to just see Treshawn Ward, what he can do in person after just seeing highlights of what he did at Florida State. And then DJ Gins, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how the carries end up being split up. And as we continue on through the season, does one running back move past the other? And I think there's a, a good chance that does end up happening, just how fast that happened. How, how fast does that happen? We'll see. We'll see DJ have one, uh, one great game one day, and then maybe the next week Treshawn Ward has another great game. But together, you got two very powerful running backs, and that's what's exciting. They should both be able to eat up yards in their own way. I mean, last year, if you look at the numbers averaging, if you can combine them together, I mean, they're averaging 6.1, 6.2 yards per carry. It's an excellent number. And remember what we love so much about Alex Barnes is that he was able to maintain chewing up yards on average. And a lot of that was over six yards a carry. And now we got two running backs who can split up the duties, not put as much on the shoulders of just one individual, they can share the duties. That's exciting. It's not exactly the style, what we had with Deuce Vaughn, but it should be still just as effective with two guys. You just don't pl- replace a guy like Deuce Vaughn. Meanwhile, over to Will Howard, and there was a bunch of questions about Will Howard today, but Coach Kleiman spoke about in, um, in an extended clip of where Will has made the most growth in this preseason.
2: His ability to see the pressure change the protection, change the play, have a run play called, know that we don't like that picture without having to look at a coach and say, nope, I'm changing it to run the ball here. Those are the things that Skyler was doing in his, his last year, last couple years, that we've had quarterbacks in our system that have been able to do that I think makes him playing at such a high level of this play has no chance to work in how he called it. We've got enough time on the play clock that he can be patient and change the play, change the protection, do whatever he needs to do uh, to get us in a positive play, he's got really good arm talent, and he was able to display that last year. It's gotten continued to get better and better. Uh, and he's even though we haven't gone live with him, he's running the ball with a lot of authority.
1: I was never a quarterback. Um, you know, I could sling the pill here and there. Uh, had some accuracy to me. Uh, I just couldn't see over the offensive line. That's kind of an issue uh, with with a guy my size. But I would imagine. The game slowing down for Will has the best chance of doing that when Will is reading the defenses and can anticipate. And not only read the defense, read it correctly and have to make adjustments when you do so. When, when you get those kind of things down, that's when it really starts to slow down. And that not only is done on the field during practice, in games, but also in the film room and studying teams and will has put in that work and will has had to put in a lot of work to improve from where he was as a freshman and a sophomore coming in for skylar thompson and climate even talked about it where will is now really enjoying the journey and the process
2: he had some hard times, as everybody knows, but he never wore those emotions on his sleeve, which is a credit to him. And now he's enjoying the fruits of the labor. I mean, that kid's put the time in, the work ethic in. And I don't. if it's a day like this where it's going to be 110 degrees heat index or something, he's going to be ready to go, and he's going to make sure those offensive guys are, are ready to go because uh, he loves playing, and he's having a blast because he knows what he's doing, and he's doing it at a high level.
1: And I said it last week. Will Howard is going to make K-State into a more – successful passing offense. And I think with the three wide receivers, he has two running backs that can catch passes. And then, by the way, Ben Sennett's going to tear it up this season at the tight end position. Will was really showing off the arm. and His numbers were on a pace of like breaking records, potentially, if he were to play that second half of the season, if that was a full season for Will Howard. You're breaking some records. You're breaking touchdown records. You're potentially breaking some yardage records. And now, I, I think it makes it a fair expectation for Will to make K State no longer a bottom feeder in the Big Twelve when it comes to a passing offense. I think I mentioned it last week that K State's passing offense has been last or second to last in the Big Twelve for the last decade or over the last or close to the last decade. We have not seen a top half Big Twelve K State passing team since, of course, Jake Waters, and that's why I said you have the best arm talent since jake waters at at quarterback a complete opposite of how the game has been
0: played over the last decade when you look at the development of the college game
1: well, especially with k-state climbing making the tight end position sexy again he's brought sexy back to the tight end position not so much uh of course the fullback position uh anymore that's just the uh the changes that have been made with this coaching staff and i think it's for the better obviously i mean Ben Sennett is just going to absolutely tear it up. Like, I don't know who's going to be the leading receiver this year. I, Trey Sean Ward would be the favorite, but I'm like, I'm legit saying, like, how much work is Ben Sennett going to do this, this year? It could be a lot. I don't know what the record is for most receiving yards by a tied in, in K State football history is in a single season, but I think Ben Sennett could definitely fight for breaking a record. Absolutely. Uh, there's just there's so many potentials to where there's no way it all adds up to actually happen because it just goes p- past the passing stuff. But it's all I think certainly possible, like the passing offense of K-State should be some of the best numbers we've seen in a long time. And then finally, to wrap up here, actually, uh, we might be short on time. Uh, I do want to squeeze, let me squeeze in R.J. Garcia. He spoke for a couple of minutes to the media. Speaking of taking the next step, R.J. Garcia expected to do that, now being a starting wide receiver. He spoke to the media earlier today.
3: What kind of strides have you made as a receiver in the last year?
1: Um, just physically working with Coach Chew, working on my
3: speed, strength, um, and mentally just kind of keep developing from what Cade and older guys have taught me and stuff like that. So just keep learning more and more every day. And then just getting confident in myself and my play. What can you say about the group uh, as a unit this season? I feel like we're a really strong group. Uh, we have a lot of fun together. I feel like it's probably the closest position room I've been a part of um, in general. Um, we have a lot of fun. We have a lot of talent the guys in our room. We love to play together, and uh, it's been a good
0: time. How much of a confidence boost was it for you to catch that touchdown in the Big 12 game last season?
3: Um, it was definitely a confidence boost. Um, I knew I could play out there and stuff like that, but it was definitely just cool to you know, make a big impact in such a big game um, especially my guy throwing it to me so it was, uh, it was definitely a cool experience It's definitely a confidence booster for sure Everyone that we've asked that says who's a guy to look out for, who's a guy that stepped up that's been RJ, how does it feel
4: to know that everyone's noticed how far you've stepped up
3: um, It definitely means a lot when you know we have such hard working guys on our teams um, and they say that I've stepped up in a role and you know, there's a lot of other guys who have made a lot of great strides as well um, but it definitely feels good to know that my teammates and my coaches think that I've taking strides but there's a lot of us a lot of people have taken strides and a lot of people are gonna make a lot of big plays. Do you have an expectation for the impact that you're capable to make this season? Um, Really kind of not really focused on my individual impact I mean hopefully I make a lot of plays catch a lot of balls score a lot of touchdowns but I'm more focused on uh, putting something up on that stadium again so hopefully just winning games I'm doing what the team needs just in general. What's Phil been like in the leadership roles the older guy? Um, you know, we mess with him, call him Grandpa. Now he's a little bit older in the room, but uh, he's great. We're so glad he's back. brings a lot of wisdom and experience to our young room. So um, it's great to have him back, and we love having Phil. and uh, He's a great guy.
1: That's yeah, very true. Uh, Philip Brooks, Dana Green, very old guys. Um, before we take a break, by the way, by the way, um, just announced: Will Howard named to the watch list for the Johnny United's Golden Arm Award. We take a break, and when we come back, let's preview. The Oklahoma Sooners with Ryan Aber next. I, I put that bet in there. It's always like I, I'm still just like a tad bit disappointed when the, the woo-hoo, it doesn't come. It, it's just an instrumental. You don't get the vocals, right? You don't get the lyrics. All right. Welcome back to the game, Mitch Fortner and Troy Coberdale. It is now time for our next Big 12 preview. As we look at, well, it's a team that's their final season in the Big 12, the Oklahoma Sooners, as we now chat with Ryan Aber from the Oklahoman. Ryan, great to talk with you again. Uh yeah. Oklahoma last year, six and seven, uh four losses. I mean, by three points each, the final four losses were that's really tough. Now, I know the defense under first year head coach Brent Venables was not great. How do you summarize twenty twenty two? Was it all on the defense? Was it more or less than that?
4: No, I think certainly a lot or even most of it was on the defense, but certainly it was uh an all around effort for them. They lost, as you mentioned, those those four games. Uh, by by three three points, you know five of their total losses were by a touchdown or less, and uh, they they just couldn't figure out how to make that turn in, in tight games, and that was on the offense some too. And their their offensive numbers were really good, and Dylan Gabriel was really solid, but he didn't live up to the standard that OU has had. Now it's a, as high a standard as you could have at the quarterback position. Going from Baker Mayfield to Kyla Murray to Jalen Hurts. And then heck, even, you know, Spencer Rattler and Caleb Williams, uh, before he became a Heisman winner, had their uh, share of moments uh, for the Sooners. Uh, so uh, a little bit of everything for them, but certainly it starts on the defensive side. And that's where Brent Venables has hung his hat and where a lot of the focus has been on the offseason.
1: I don't know if you grew up as a Sooners fan, but did uh, the 49 nothing loss to Texas, was that the hardest day on the job?
4: You know, I, I think, well, no, because uh, if that game was over so early in the contest yeah. that least, at least as a writer, you can start writing stuff and, and, and you know what your storylines are going to be uh, early. Now, that being said, as far as the reaction from the fans, the the uh, you know sort of down-in-the-dumps mentality of the players and, and coaches that you have to talk to afterwards made it uh, really – uh, really difficult but uh, you know certainly that was a loss that stings as bad as any that the Sooners have had in a long long time and you know one of the, the first questions that comes up uh, when you're talking to OU fans is hey are, are, is, are they going to be able to uh, hang with Texas or beat Texas this year because they certainly don't want to any kind of repeat of that embarrassment a year ago.
1: Well, Ryan, you, you touched on it a little bit ago, and that was about Dylan Gabriel, who returns as the starting quarterback, and you mentioned that you know, he was not a Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts, but he still had solid numbers, 25 touchdowns, six interceptions. So, it's kind of two questions in one. I mean, is the feeling and confidence right now, is, it, is there any sort of lack of confidence, and is this season, is it an expectation to try to climb into that status?
4: Yeah, I don't think there's a, a lack of confidence at all, and and certainly Dylan Gabriel's got a chance to finish his career as, as uh, in a really strong way. Heck, if he even does what he's done, what he did last year uh, for OU, he'll finish in the top ten all time in uh, NCAA passing, which is you know not something to to uh, completely dismiss, but. They've got to be better at that spot, but they're, and I think Dylan Gabriel will be better making decisions, things like that, but even if he's not, you look at, one, the depth of the position, they've got Jackson Arnold behind him this year, last year, when he got hurt against TCU and then missed that Texas game that we just talked about, they had to sort of go with a duct tape approach of using guys that weren't quarterbacks, guys like Braden Willis and Eric Gray and Marvin Mims and Jalil Farouk uh, instead. They shouldn't have to do that this year if Dylan Gabriel gets hurt, but they certainly hope that Dylan Gabriel can stay healthy, be the kind of quarterback that he's shown that he can be, and uh, hand over the ranch to Jackson Arnold after this season as they make that move to the SEC.
1: So last season, as we look elsewhere in the offense, Oklahoma had the second statistically second-best wide receiver in Marvin Mims and the second-best running back, even statistically better than Deuce Vaughn in Eric Gray, but they're both now gone. So now with them exiting, what do those two rooms look like?
4: Well, starting with the running back group, because they, that's where they feel a little, a little bit better about things. Uh, Javante Barnes had a really good freshman season uh, a year ago playing behind Eric Gray. Uh, you know, he had uh, over 500 yards, five touchdowns, on 116 carries. And uh, they they really feel good about him sliding in there. And, and then Gavin Sawchuk, who is maybe the fastest player on the team, uh, sliding up as that number two uh, running back there behind him. He didn't play a lot last year but had a really good performance in the Chiefs Bowl against Florida State that sort of boosted him into the offseason. Now, wide receiver gets a little bit tricky behind Jalil Farouk and, and Drake Stoops, who are both uh, proven commodities. Jalil Farouk had a strong season last year, sort of a, a breakout year uh, for him with over 400 yards receiving and five touchdowns. They really expect him to, to slide into that top role. Drake Stoops has just sort of been a guy who goes about his business and maybe isn't the flashiest player, but gets uh, the job done. But after them, they've got to have some guys step up and play some roles that they haven't. They feel really good about Gavin Freeman, the former walk-on, who has proven himself a year ago. But his role is going to be much bigger this year. But those transfers is where it really is going to get critical for them. Andrell Anthony from Michigan, Brennan Thompson from Texas, they've got to have those guys really uh, make significant steps forward. The talent is unquestionable with both of those Brennan Thompson, especially, the speed, is world-class. He's right there with Gavin Sawchuck as the fastest players on the team. But they've got to have some guys that haven't shown it on the field to this point be able to step forward because this offense relies on having a deep, deep group of wide receivers who can all make plays.
1: We are previewing the Oklahoma Sooners with our guest Ryan Aber from the Oklahoman. A couple of questions on the defensive side of the football even though the defense certainly had its struggles last year, there was one statistic about that Oklahoma defense last year that really just jumped out at me. And I thought Oklahoma State was good at disrupting the opposing offense's backfield. Oklahoma was better. They were one of the best teams in the country with 104 tackles for loss. That's a tough number to try to repeat. But what's the expectation with the guys in the box about being that disruptive? Could they do it again?
4: Yeah, I think they've, and they've got to do it in a more consistent way because if you look at those numbers, the first their non-conference games, the first three, they racked up just an astronomical number of those. Mm-hmm. Not that they were bad the rest of the way, but certainly, especially sack-wise, they took a dip once the Big 12 play began. They've got to find a way to be much more consistent with that pressure, much more consistent with those playmakers, and that's why they've added a lot. On the defensive front in particular, uh, you know, they added Trace Ford from Oklahoma State, who when he's been healthy has been a, a force up there. The question with him has just been staying healthy. They added Rondell Boscoy from uh, Wake Forest. who has been a really big part of their success on the defensive line the last few years and, uh, several other guys. Uh, you know, Jacob Lacey from Notre Dame. They added uh, John Terry from Tennessee and uh Davin Spears from Texas State, so they they sort of circled that as an area where they really needed to improve uh, over the off season. And I think if they're able to do that, uh, those those numbers might not be as high as they were last year. But if they can be more steady and be more consistent, then they'll certainly take that.
1: And we touched on this earlier. The pass defense was 119th in the country last year. With year two with Brent Venables, how has this been addressed, and do you feel like the secondary is now set up for more success?
4: They should be. They've got a little bit more depth back there. Last year they had to really rely on their starters, really across the board defensively, but especially in the secondary. They feel like they've got more guys that they can uh, turn to uh, back there, adding Reggie Pearson. The transfer from Texas Tech, who's got a reputation as a really hard hitter. They added uh, Kendall Dolby from NEO Junior College, who's got a chance to, if not slide into the starting lineup, be a guy who plays a ton for them uh, at the other cornerback spot. And, uh, you know, the, the biggest name back there, probably Peyton Bowen, the five star freshman who uh, initially said on signing day that he was going to go to Oregon, but Changed his mind that night, never got his uh, letter of intent in, and wound up flipping to OU when it was all said and done. They really, really like uh, what he's brought to uh, that group back there. The question for him is what role he's going to play. But uh, that, that secondary looks to be uh, shored up uh, from last year because those, their past defense numbers were atrocious last year, and they really need to be able to make plays uh, consistently uh, back there in order to, to give their front a little bit of a break uh, because uh, last year at times they were sort of being asked to do uh, do everything for them.
1: Got a couple more for you here, Ryan. Again, I mentioned it earlier, 6-7 and seven last year. Final year in the Big 12 and then transitioning into the SEC. With the lack of success last year in a shocking way in a losing season for Oklahoma, how big Big and how important is this year for Brent Venables to be successful?
4: Very important, and and it would be anyway, just for the pressure that comes along with being the OU football coach. But having uh, not had a losing record since 1998, uh, they did that last year. You know, having uh, fallen the way they did, especially defensively uh, last year, and with the schedule this year, which seems pretty forgiving. They don't have Kansas State on the schedule. They don't have Baylor. They don't have uh, Texas Tech, three teams that gave them problems last year. Obviously, Kansas State's given them problems for a long, long time. Uh, without them on the schedule, without a marquee non-conference opponent, Arkansas State, SMU, and Tulsa being their non-conference slate, they've got a chance to build some momentum going into that Texas game. Uh, but uh, it's certainly very important for them not only – uh, to sort of wash out the memories from a year ago, but also build some momentum entering next year when that schedule is not going to be nearly as forgiving as it uh, looks this season.
1: Well, you're you're starting to jump into my last question there, and that is Oklahoma picked to finish third this year in the Big 12 with four first-place votes. Do you see at the end of the uh, regular season Oklahoma being, at the very least, a top contender for a, a Big 12 title game?
4: Yeah, I think they've got a chance to make it, you know, whether they're significantly better than last year or not, I think they've got a chance to make it because uh, of the schedule that I just talked about, but also uh, the the fact that some of those close games figure to swing the other way, just a a law of averages thing, and if they can do that, then that record could improve greatly, even if they're virtually the same team as they were a year ago. I think they're going to be better uh, on defense, especially in that uh, defensive front that we talked about, with all the uh, additions over there that, that have uh, Division I experience and uh, and some other things, so I, I think they've certainly got a chance. But this is the probably the widest swing I can imagine between uh, best case and worst case scenario for an OU team. From the guess uh, now, this is the, my 11th season on the beat. Uh, it seems like this is the one where you don't know exactly how this season's going to go. Uh, of course, last year was a surprise, but uh, this year you go in sort of uh, wondering can they be really good? Can they make the Big 12 title game or even more? Or will they fall apart and lose a lot of those close games again and sort of uh, limp into the SEC?
1: Well, it's going to be certainly interesting to see how this Oklahoma season plays out. K-State not on the schedule, and, uh, of course, Oklahoma about to leave for the SEC, so this might be the last time in a long time that we do this. But, Ryan, uh, once again, greatly appreciate you coming on the show, and I uh, look forward to reading your work this year.
4: Sounds great. Thank you so much for having me on. Always enjoy it.
1: Once again, that's Ryan Aber from the Oklahoman helping us preview the Oklahoma Sooners in 2023. Another timeout when we come back. Your number 1 song of the day next.